This is Palmer Quest, live from the heart of Brooklyn. Palmer Quest is an hour-long podcast about everything in and relating to technology. With four, count them four, techno experts. Eric Newman, hi! Uchenna Kemma, hey there. Jason Ginsberg, hello. And our special guest, Brendan Byrne, hey there. This week's episode, Space Case. Hello, everybody. Welcome to yet another Polar Quest. My name is Eric Newman, and I'm surrounded by a triangle of technophiles who have traveled across the rivers, across the bridges, across the tunnels to get here, and then a third person who's visiting me over the lands of the internet through the tubes of tech. Hello, everybody. Wow, that's great. Okay, um... <laughs> Uh, sitting across from me, of course, is uh, your second time here, Yuchana Kemma. Nice to see you again, sir. That's uh, good to be back. Good to be back. Fantastic. Um, and thank you for not hating doing this show so much that you never wanted to grace my presence again. And you came all the way over here from New Jersey. I really appreciate that. Hey, it's a pleasant experience. I did the Mother's Day stuff before, so I'm good to go. Oh, that's right. It's Mother's Day. Oh, mm. Okay. My mom called me, actually. But she called me at like 9 o'clock in the morning. And I, I feel like that was a test. <laughs> I didn't answer the phone when I called. Okay, but um, who calls at 9 o'clock? I mean, come on, it's a Sunday. You got to, like, you know, hangovers and stuff. Oh, but it's Mother's Day. Fine. Anyway, someone who uh, shares a Jewish mother is Mr. Jason Ginsberg. Hi. <laughs> Hello, Eric. I do. Correct me if I'm wrong. I did my Mother's Day greetings over Facebook and, and uh, text as well. Oh, okay. Did you send, send an e-card or snail anything? Mail. Like uh, it was a photo text and a... I had a nice, fun background on my Facebook post. Okay. Backgrounds now. Nice, nice, nice. That was the... No real flowers, no real card, all electronic. Okay. I actually... I got my mom those uh, Sherry's Berries that uh, I always hear about on Bill Burr's podcast. You click on the radio microphone in the top right-hand corner and enter promo code Burr. Save like 20%. Or you save like half, actually, on your Mother's Day order. So, everybody likes chocolate-covered strawberries. Brendan, what did you do for Mother's Day? I called my mom this morning at nine o'clock. <laughs> I was up. <laughs> That's pretty funny. And, how, and how's she doing? Is she doing all right? She's great. She's great. Uh, she's hanging with uh, my little brother, who I am convinced is her favorite. Um, so she's having a great day. Oh, good. So. Well, you know what, Brendan, you're our favorite here on Pull Request. Oh, wonderful! You, you're you're like the you you're the guest that we've had on the most, and you're the most professional guest we've had. Um, the only person who might come in second is uh, Mr. Kenla over here, but he hasn't been on as many times as you. Even though oh, well, that's that's wonderful to hear that that I convey professionalism. Well, so. that's because I believe <laughs> it's your job since you actually work on the real radio, right? Is that is it kind of easy? Now, let me actually let me ask you this, and I, I'm sorry if I've done this before. Uh, you unfortunately work for an NPR station, which right. I I hate that. It's not that I don't like NPR; it's I hate the sound. It's that kind of like. Oh, is everything is just. We don't do that boy. anymore. You don't do that anymore. We don't do that anymore. No, you, we, we actually we have like voice training and stuff. And people come to make us uh, more conversational and it sound like we're talking to our friends. Really? So you the... would let on loud people like me? Is that, is that is that what you're saying? You are you are the new voice of NPR. That's Eric. fantastic. I couldn't this be happier. That's that's really that's really great. You know who else <laughs> couldn't be happier? Of course, our wonderful studio audience. We keep them in a Tupperware container during the week and we take them out on Sundays just for us. And it is a really crappy Sunday. Today. I will say, Eric, the one thing that you have that no NPR station has is that sweet soundboard with all of those sounds queued up. I wish I had that at work. Oh, 
Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's, it's tough. It's tough to get a whole new audience that's exactly the same every week in here in my small apartment in Brooklyn. Um, by the way, so this episode is called Space Case. Brendan, we're having you on because you're, you're the space reporter for WMFE, Orlando's NPR station. And uh, we've, we've invited you on, I think, about once a year to talk about space. Uh, and it just so ha- it's not like we don't like you more than that, but it just so happens that the planets only do a line once a year. True. Well, I, I love talking space with you, Aaron. That's thank, fantastic. Thank you well, the, the let me tell you this. I hung fun. out with quite a few space cadets over the last week because I went to Seattle and Portland. Let Ooh. me tell you. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's I, I, I mean, look, I, I'm I would call myself an advanced user of uh, uh, cannabis, but these people are <laughs> at another level. I mean, it's just it's really it's it's not even they're probably not even stoned, you know. See, and I, and I thought you were talking about the actual booming commercial space industry in the uh, Northwest corridor of the United States, but oh no, you made I'm, a I'm drug, talking drug about joke. the people. I mean, it's, I didn't even realize that was going. No, because there's, I mean, there's the booming space industry in the Southwest uh, with with Elon and SpaceX, yeah. right? And, and the what's Northwest in the Northwest as well? Uh, there, there is um, Blue Origin is up there, and also uh, SpaceX's um, uh, Constellation programs. Oh, in what Boeing, Seattle? Based up there, or outside of Seattle? Yes, yeah. Ah, I have to say, Seattle might be my favorite town out west. I, 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 as much as I can deride the West Coast, Seattle seems like a pretty, pretty nice city. Uh, and they don't have that, that California and Portland kind of stuffiness about them. But there's still a g- ginormous amount of, of just people that, I mean, airheads is not even giving them justice. You could just watch the gears in their head turn. Like, what's going on <laughs> inside of you? I don't know. Um, but yeah, I took a I took a week out. Uh, I took a week vacation out west. I flew to Seattle from uh, from JFK. Uh, and ironically, uh, uh, I don't know if you've heard about this, Brendan. Uh, I don't I don't think it really deserves to be national news. But they're working on the subway train that's a block away from my apartment for the next three years. And uh, I can't. I had to take a cab to the airport and a cab back from the airport. But when I got to Seattle. I actually just rolled on their light rail, came right up, no delays, dropped me off at the end of the line. That was a $3 ticket. Then I got a $10 Uber to my Airbnb. It took me 40 minutes. Here, it would take me an hour and a half on the train that, if it were working, and then it's a $50 cab ride. I will say I go to Seattle about three times a year to meet friends, and, yeah, that's the one thing I like. But apparently the system that you're on was supposed to be built in the 60s, but they said, nah, we don't want it. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's true. Seattle, though, they do seem to be doing or at least accomplishing against the grain of the NIMBYs. Uh, the the infrastructure projects that other big cities say they need to do and just aren't doing, like us. They're sinking a, they're, they're sinking a major uh, highway that's right on the Puget Sound. They're turning that into a tunnel. But the tunnel's actually already built. And when I went to the, when I was walking along the coast, I just saw like a, a like a, a two story viaduct and then a giant chunk taken out of it. No one's on that road. And then, well, where is it? It's in the tunnel. We took the tunnel to the train station in Seattle, and it was done. We can't build a tunnel that quickly here. A lot of it's because um, Lord Bezos demands it, and also um, well, Microsoft. So if, if Lord Bezos moved uh, to Long Island City like he said he would, you think we'd have, be able to build that second half subway a little faster? Probably. Hey, I'm down here in the Sunshine State where we turn down federal money for rails. So. That's true, but doesn't... I'm uh, not sure why you're complaining. What about the Brightline? Uchenna actually just mentioned before we started recording here. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's not Brightline anymore. It's it's Virgin Rail. 
Um, and uh, <laughs> it's, it's yeah, it's a, a virgin. Virgin picked it up, and uh, it's not about. It's the name. It's not about uh, Peter Branson. Yeah, uh, but yeah it, it's it's happening, and uh, surprisingly, as as we mentioned, as you guys were talking about off mic before the show, it's actually going to roll through Orlando, past Orlando, and into Disney, which is actually crazy. Um, but isn't Orlando Dis- north of Disney? Uh, well, it it will come in through. It, it's north. Or it's Orlando's like northeast, northeast of, Disney. of Disney, so it'll, it'll roll kind of like southwest. Um, so, but it's going to uh, have to go north to get to Disney. So it's going to do it. Well, a, a, it's it's going to come in south through um, Orlando International Airport and then head west, which is oh, kind of like on the I same see. kind I of um, line there. But which is crazy because Disney does not like transportation in or out of it. Right? They they want you to just. Get your transportation into Disney and not be able to mm. ever leave again. Just sit on those so this monorails is, this is kind of, that are thirty years yeah, old. Yeah, this is, and, and gondolas actually. Now we have we have gondolas at Epcot. That's another story. But um, but yeah, this this is kind of a big deal to have transportation in and out of Disney, especially transportation that will take you to Metro Orlando from Miami Disney. Um, yeah, and, and for I, I mean the fact that you I, I, the fact I mean this is another thing they've been talking about for forever. They've been ta- they've been trying to build some kind of train or monorail or something like that that goes through Florida that should be relatively easily uh, relatively mm-hmm. easily done since Florida is not that wide of a state. Um, but it just I, I, I it's it's nice to see that that's actually happening. I have to say, yep, finally, for and. Once. <laughs> uh, my ex-girlfriend and I rode Brightline last year down from Fort Lauderdale down to Miami, and it was the nicest train I've been on, uh, and that's because I haven't been to Europe or Asia. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. But it, honestly, like, I was, and I heard some music from behind me. I said, what, you know, what assholes blaring their music? I turned around, and it was a jazz quartet. It was just playing. On the train? On the train. Man, that's bougie. That's I nice. I know. They offered us a free <laughs> drink. The ticket was like, it was not expensive. They did ask for too much personal information. I don't need to give you my email address so I could board the train. Sorry, guys. And, uh, yeah. And all the stations were clean because it wasn't tri-rail. It were all new stations. It was all new. Everything was new, except for the tracks. Those were old. But the, the, these, the Virgin tracks are, are Virgin. They're going to be new. These will be, these will be expansion tracks, yep. That's fantastic. Now, will they be grade-separated? Yes. They're all going to be along the highway corridor because there's this highway corridor. I think it's I-5, right? I-4. I-4. I'm I'm sorry. Yeah, I-4. So it would follow, I guess it would go like by the turnpike and then I-4 up from Palm Beach. That that would make sense. Yeah, and through the Space Coast, which is actually kind of interesting. How does it it go to the Space Coast if it gets to – that route doesn't make any sense. So I'm I'm not up to speed on this, no pun intended. Um, but my the last time we, we had done a story on this, it would go up to the Space Coast and then follow across 528, which is the uh, line, or the so, B okay. line. So it would go up to to like Satellite Beach or Cocoa and then make a yeah. hard left and go then west. Hard left. I got. And you. then which which 528 will run runs into I4, which Eric, as you know, is the worst uh, highway from, in the from world. From living here years <laughs> years ago, uh, yeah, it's the worst highway in the world. Um, it's even worse now because they're trying to expand it. Um, so that's fun, um, and it's not just blow it, it up. It's 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 really fun. Like when it rains because there's like mudslides, so it's real fun. I I don't um, miss yeah. driving a, and I don't miss driving in Florida B, and I definitely don't miss driving on I four C. I four so is the worst. So it'll be nice. Like they they want to put they want to expand I four, put a um, a high speed toll. Lane on sure. it as well, and then a train right in the middle of it. So it's just a recipe the, for a disaster. Yes. Yeah, well, the, the so. question, the question is, and this is the the big question about 
rail in, in, in cities uh, or in, in rail in cities that don't have rapid transit already. How do you get around your destination without Uber? a car? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uber, I guess. And that, that's, we, so we, no, have, that's we have rail here. We have rail here. We have some Oh, that's rail. right. There's this, they, right. There's that. Yeah, and uh, nobody uses it. Nobody uses it. And uh, it doesn't it only go that, to Winter Park? It, it goes all the way up to DeBerry now. Which I don't know is, where that is. is. Which is like maybe 20 or 30 miles north of Winter Park, which is north of Orlando. Um, and yeah, nobody uses it because there's no accommodations for that last mile. How do you get from the station to Right. See, like going to Miami, Miami has Metro Rail pretty built out. So Mm -hmm. it was was relatively easy. And Miami is not that big. So it was relatively easy to to get around. But if you end, if you're going the opposite direction, you're going from like Miami to Orlando, you get off the train in Orlando, you're SOL. You're screwed. Yeah, there's nowhere. You can rent a very expensive (laughs) car from the airport. Like, I don't know. Honestly, the car rentals in Florida were were like ridiculously cheap. I felt like, is this right? You know, I paid... $20 $20 for some generic, so I paid $20 for some literally generic small car. How? What, per day? Yeah. That's not too bad. Yeah. You know what they won't do in Florida? They won't rent a car to someone with a Florida driver's license. I noticed that. <laughs> no, one of my coworkers, because um, we were helping him out because we had a client that is in the middle of nowhere, Florida, like... That's a lot. That's most of the state. No, um, you know the colony of old people, like the old people only town. Oh, the villages. The villages. Yes, villages. I was. Yeah. I had to drive past it to get to this campsite. That is the nowhere part of the state. Jeez. And I passed by an emu, um, some sort of like I think emu or the tropical bird farm, which was like, okay. is this real? How is Florida real? Florida's not real. That's it's a wonderful place. It's a mm. wonderful place to die. <laughs> but honestly, I don't, the I don't know why you're still there, Brandon. Oh, right, NASA. That's a good. That's a good reason. <laughs> hey, the weather's good though. Honestly, no, it's not. That's it's the problem. Hot as it's shit the, down the humi- here right It's now. already ninety degrees and humid <laughs> in Orlando, isn't down it? Down here right now. Oh, it's awful. It's terrible. Yeah, it's yeah, terrible. It's, no, you know, it's forty-nine degrees today here in New York, but it's rainy. Oh well. Yeah, well, I'll well, take we're, this we're, any we're day. Hot and rainy and and humid. And yeah, I'll, I'll take this terrible. any day over over Florida weather. I'm sorry. Anyway, let's move on because we're not talking about space cadets. Even though, by the way, one last thing about trains. I took Amtrak for, out west for the second time, and uh, my two-and-a-half-hour train ride was only delayed by an additional two hours, so that's a win, I think. Uh, oh, that was the wrong button. Anyway, if the train moved that quickly, it would have actually got there on time. But they had to do everything. I mean, they had to do everything. They said they had to restart the train's computer. I haven't heard that one before. Oh, yeah. That's because their computers are made in the 90s. Well, that looked like the car that I was riding in looked like it was from the early 90s or late 80s because it had the ceiling-mounted CRTs. It looked like it was like a first-class car from 30 years ago. Actually, you're right. The good news is Amtrak is buying all new ones. Well, I haven't seen any cars like that. Uh, on this side of the country, on the right side of the country. That's because Amtrak, <laughs> since it's profitable here, actually redoes them every 10 years. Oh, right. So that's part of the reason why we got stuck. And the, it's more annoying when you get passed by other passenger trains that you left before. And like, why is this happening? Why do we have to stop to wait for We left first. And then you get passed by like a Seattle area, whatever the Metro North is for Seattle, the Sounder. And then it's just like you're getting passed by other trains. And it just took it, – it was a two-and-a-half-hour train ride that took five hours because nobody cares out west. Hey, man, yeah. just remember the, destina- the, 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 the destination is the journey. Just remember <laughs> that. Well, it's more important you enjoy how you're getting there than, you know, the place that you're going. And le- weed is legal, so just, you know, enjoy yourself. <laughs> 
which I did. Uh, and I also uh, found out about legal tinctures, which is which are officially my favorite thing. Awesome. Um, yes. Uh, I'm running a train to Canada in two weeks, so I'll let you know how it was. Yeah, it might actually be better up there. Um, but it's it's I, I, I it's it's pretty it's pretty nice to be able to just go into a store and buy it, and they have a printout of you know like the chemical composition and the purity and all that stuff. So you're not just getting it from some guy who grows it in his basement in the Bronx. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, I, I appreciate it, but those, those tinctures, they, they really are, uh, for advanced users. Uh, I don't know, Jason, if you know what a, a tincture is, it's, it's, it's basically an herbal infusion in alcohol or, or, um, some other kind of medium. And because cannabis is an herb, you can do that. So you can, you basically, cannabis is alcohol and fat soluble. And if you infuse it the right way, you can basically make, uh, it's called the green dragon, which is just a green alcoholic beverage that also gets you very stoned and that's what a tincture is but out west you could also make them or sorry you could also make them without alcohol you could use like glycerin or something like that and out west they have more of those since you don't need all that alcohol uh and the strength is holy crap it is i mean i i don't even i don't even know what to say i can't believe that that exists but i had a fantastic time anyway back Oh, yeah. And one other thing. I got these. Where are they? I got these fancy new computer glasses. Look at that. They don't help me see any better, but they might help me see well for longer, which is why I have them. They're the new Felix Gray. We waste your money, but we're telling you that they reduce glare and blue light glasses. They are very nice. Thank you. I had to get them in the, in the hipster big size. Um, but, yeah. How do, I, how do I look? Do I look smarter with the glasses on? Is that a look that suits me, or do you think I'm one of those people that look better without glasses? Oh, it's a tough call. It's, it's so close. But now I can dramatic, difference. Now, but now I can dramatically remove them. Eric, you beauty. sound smarter if that means anything from my end. here. What was that, Brendan? You sound smarter if that means anything. Thank you. That's the beautiful compression we have on the audio. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's get back to talking about... Um, actually, before we talk about space, some unavoidable technology news. Excuse me. Before we d- dive into NASA and stuff... Uh, there's a few things that we'd like to touch on just because we couldn't say no. One of them is, as I'm trying to hold in a burp, excuse me. That's how I'm not a, and that's how, Brendan, that's how you know I'm not a radio professional. How do you, how do you talk through a, a, a burp without doing it? I, my biggest mistake, like most of my stuff is pre-recorded, so that's helpful. That is helpful. Um, but whenever I do have to go live or like cover a show or something like that, I always get this stupid idea to like just down a giant can of Coke right oh, before I go no. on the air. And so you just you just work through. Are you doing the whole show? Just kind of kind of like you, this. You, You're just you burp off mic and you or you, you you force it out right before your break comes up and <laughs> you, you pretty much you're supposed to avoid that stuff. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, that's a little unprofessional. I heard some clip of like Rush doing it and he was talking for a solid minute in that kind of straining his diaphragm because he couldn't hold it. <laughs> yeah, I Luckily, can't. I don't have to go on like when I go on the Five air, I don't have to do like one hour long just, you know. Yeah, I don't, I don't right. have to talk for an extended period. That's nice. Well, that's well, that's what we're doing right now, and uh, let's talk. You're killing about, me, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and if you have to burp, it's fine because nobody listens to the show. Uh, <laughs> Germany has launched its first public test system for using overhead catenary for electric trucks. Check that out. I did see that, and it's weird because the technology in and of itself it's not new because obviously electric buses with pantographs have existed, but 
Use and them for and trucks. street cars also. Yes, but using them for trucks would be an innovative use and solve the issue of trucks in urban areas, which is their emissions are toxic, right? There's an article I could easily pull up, like how New Jersey has some of the worst air pollution because all concentrated right around the port and airport. I could just pull up an air quality map, actually. There's this really cool one that I use because uh, I, I have asthma called Breezometer, um, and they have a free Google Maps-based air quality thing. And if you just, right now, it's, uh, oh, it's at good quality, but if I just go across the uh, couple rivers over here to New Jersey, it's actually not so bad today, maybe because it's a Sunday. And the rain. Oh, and the rain's really helping. Look at that. That's a really very nice, that's a very nice air quality it's, image for yeah, the Tri-State area. We have sideways rain today. That's pretty. Yeah. Really blowing That's it away. how it is in Florida all the time. Um, anyway, um, what were we talking about? Oh yeah, so electric, electric. But but here's the thing: uh, isn't clearance an issue? Honestly, no. Uh, the thing is, most trucks' clearances are known. Like your average truck has a clearance of thirteen six, thirteen six. So even can, even in Europe, where they don't use feet. Uh, well, yeah, it's like forgot the meter, but yes. But the thing is, in Newark, I'm looking at your Breezo meter, and you can even see. Like how it gets progressively worse. I'm sorry. How you can see it gets progressively worse. Take the mic worse. with you. <laughs> how it sees progressively worse, and you see going from green. You zoom in at the airport. It gets yellow, yellow, uh, yellow. Well, that's the airport. That's all the planes. Yeah, who lives there? Poor people. Yeah. Anyway, the 10 kilometer, 6.2 mile stretch of overhead catenary, which runs through. A, am I saying that right, or did you said it right last time? Cantonary. Yeah, you're right. Cantonary. Yes, cantonary. Not catenary. Yes. Cantonary. Yes. Jeez. This is going to be like stubborn. Um, this 10 kilometer stretch of Cantonary, which runs through a crucial portion of the Hessen Autobahn from Frankfurt Airport, will be tested by a fleet of electrical trucks until 2022. <laughs> the overhead line hybrid trucks <laughs> that are being tested on the road are equipped with electric motors, batteries, and diesel engines. So it's basically just in case, I guess, they run out of the. Cantonary. Uh, so they're pretty much it's so that they can still be used in other things. Right. Up to 90 kilometers an hour. That's pretty good for a truck. It's almost, what, 60 miles an hour? Yeah, that's about the max speed of a typical truck 55, here. 55, yeah. All right. Cool. Um, that's great because as we move to needing to remove gas and emissions causing vehicles from urban areas that's definitely however i don't want the skyline of this town ruined by a catenary i don't care that it used to i don't care that this that we used to have a fantastic streetcar line that used catenary all over the place cantonary all over the place i don't give it i don't care it's gonna i hate the way it looks it looks like it's something out of the 19th century there's got to be a better way to do it but there is tesla's new battery power truck solves that issue by providing over Hundred miles on a, on a, on a battery power truck. See, and that's when I—that's when we talk about my underground bus tunnels to augment the subway system. That's exactly—it's going to be. I'm telling you, man, it's going to be very possible in 30 years, unless uh, something stops it from happening, um, <clears throat> like unions. Uh, anyway, well, I actually did look this up. Um, apparently, um, Philadelphia actually had the same idea you did. Philadelphia actually bought buses, you know, well, rail buses. To use as trackless trams? Yes. They actually use them instead of using bigger trains. And honestly, if it wasn't for their protests, they were actually really popular. Huh. So it turns out that actually has been abused by a transit authority. Well, not to mention the fact that SEPTA trains already look like they're from the 19th century anyway, so I don't know. Anyway. Well, they look like British things from the 1950s, so it's progress. Why does they... I don't know why those trains have to look so 
old. Anyway, um, all right. Moving on, uh, something that that I think was unavoidable in the era of display ads. There's a new startup that's using eye tracking to make sure that you're actually watching the ads, so you can't just let it play while you're looking at something else. Yeah. Surely we've entered the nightmare world. You have to. It's using Face ID, which is crazy because Face ID has a has that thing that makes you look at it. It has it's it has that require attention uh, uh, option on. Jeez. That's to earn. I'll take the company's position here for five seconds. Go it's for you're it. earning free tickets to this. This is Movie Pass's co-founder. The idea is you, yeah, if, you, if, you, if you watch the ads all the way through, you reward. Sort of like at the beginning yeah, of a... because they're testing a, the technology, Jason. Once, and what, If enough people go through and they go, eh, hey, it's not so bad, then you're not going to be able to escape. Well, I feel like it's the next step of the uh, watching a video streaming service and they say, if you want to watch an ad now, have you know commercial free? We can guarantee you what you pick your ad at the top of a stream. Right. Watch that, and then you are then what about those? That is no more ads. Remember those? I, I heard about this a few years ago. There are these um, ultraviolet LEDs that are supposed to be able to disrupt. They're invisible to the human eye, but they're supposed to be able to disrupt all that facial recognition stuff. We know they do work. Um, I did see them at both DefCom and at like some weird fashion slash technology concept thing. So, could you use those to fake this out? They probably would probably just block, say, hey, you have to watch the ad again, our computer can see. Uh, Although, I do see those being useful because I'm assuming you're familiar with the, the scandal that people aren't actually watching a lot of ads shh, online. Shh. It's, 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 that's the, it's the bedrock of the digital economy. <laughs> shh. It's all, it's all lies, but it's, it's, it's driving billions of dollars of revenue, unfortunately. What do you think about this, Brendan? I have no idea what to think about this. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I mean, did you think it was inevitable, given all the other stuff that's yeah, going on? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, no, nothing, nothing surprises me. Okay. Um, let's see. Moving on. Uh, the fa- Why is everything updating right now? These people have mothers. Uh, the FBI takes down Dark Web Index and news site Deep.Web. Uh, and it has one of those Uncle Sam takedown notices on it. Uh, the site's dark website also has been taken down and replaced with a similar notice. The agency, according to the notice, seized the website with a warrant, working with computer crime investigators and European law enforcement. Two people in Israel were uh, two people in Israel were arrested in connection with the bust, and authorities have also reported taken reportedly taken people in France, Germany, the, the Netherlands. I can't talk today, and Brazil into custody. Times of Israel reports that people are getting accused of taking commissions and to send visitors to businesses offering illegal goods. It's like Silk Road stuff. What kind of goods? You can't ask. But it's obviously stuff that they don't want you selling on the real web. You like people. Oh. Or weapons. Or well, weapons. Yeah, or weapons, drugs. Some weapons. Or, or all three of those combined. Um, yeah. Mail order brides. I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah. It, it sounds like, I mean, Deep Dot Web, which is a really lame name. <clears throat> it sounds like it's from 1999. It... it uh, it really sounds like the Silk Road, which was also compromised by the FBI. And I believe it's still up, but that's a honeypot. Definitely believable. So, okay. Uh, moving on. Let's talk really quickly about free speech. I wish I had some kind of... What's a good, what's a good 
some free speech music. It's a... Uh... Facebook's co-founder is making a horrible argument about online speech. This guy left Facebook in 2007, Mr. Chris Hughes, or Uggs, as I like to say. Uh, he wants a government agency to police or to create guidelines for acceptable discourse online, even though the First Amendment prevents the government from doing that. His, his uh, I guess his thesis, his theorizing says... Uh, Finally, the agency should create guidelines for acceptable speech and social media. Uh, while it may seem un-American, we never said we never we would never stand for a government agency censoring speech. We already have limits on yelling fire in a crowded theater, so like and child porn and speech intended to provoke violence and false statements to manipulate stock prices. So like, we need to create similar standards online, and they could be subject to the review of the courts, but as any other limits in speech are. And then he says, but there's no constitutional right to harass others or to live stream violence. Absolutely there is. As long as I'm not on your property and, in, and if I'm not using a private company to do the streaming, I absolutely can. But this is like, this is, he's going off of the, I guess, I don't know, the, the telephone game of what, the, what we think the First Amendment actually is. And with a lot of people <clears throat> fetching about the Second Amendment, I'm really more worried about the First. Because the majority of millennials, when asked, are against free speech because they say free speech invites hate speech. The majority of them are for hate speech regulation. But in order to police that, it becomes effectively impossible and would also create a uselessly large amount of infractions that would only really... What, what purpose would they serve? It's like how the how whenever there's a, ter or a terror attack in England, the police say, Oh, watch out for those Facebook posts. If you see any anti-Muslim sentiment online, we're coming for you. And they do. Hey, mate, do you have the license for that Facebook post? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, they're going to need a porn license. And then in addition to the TV license, now do you need, can, if you wanted to watch porn on TV, do you need a second license for that? Oh, man. Think they're... about that. See, they need, yeah, they, they should have thought about that. I don't know. Anyway, Chris Uggs is really on the wrong side of the First Amendment, but I unfortunately think that he's on the right side of history. I think that the First Amendment's going away. I really do. Yeah, this is, this is, and this is a slippery slope, and, and I feel like um, I have to chime in here because... My job literally exists because of the First Amendment. You know, journalists, we, you know, we basically have our power because of the First Amendment. As much as I hate hate speech or seeing some of the crazy comments on my stories and other stories that my colleagues post on the internet, you can't police that. You can't. <laughs> it, 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 everyone has, has their voice. Um, Right, and I mean, as a private company, you have the right to, and I'm Absolutely. not, and I'm not discounting that at all. Facebook, they can censor whatever. YouTube, they can censor whatever, and they've done that to Alex Jones. They've done that to a lot of conservatives. Um, but I, in terms of just legally, I think that the the legal barrier for censorship is much higher, and there actually wasn't really a legal doctrine, a legal doctrine about yelling fire in a crowded theater. Right. You just shouldn't do mm -hmm. it. So he thinks that there is when there's not, and he thinks that there's acceptable guidelines on free speech when there aren't really. It's just the, the guideline that there are no guidelines, uh, unless it's they're instituted by a private company. Almost everything is privatized these days, so they could effectively censor you. Uh, as I've said before about uh, 
<clears throat> about Alex Jones, like after they got him off of the app stores, I'm sure they're going to go after his ISP. Mm -hmm. And then they're just going to try to disconnect him from the Internet because he until he comes up with his own pigeon antenna array that he has flying around his house in Austin or, or moves into a hot air balloon something. I don't know. Or he probably manages some one of some rich friend of his manages to put some satellites up. Lord knows micro satellites are going to. No, I want the pigeon Internet, bird Internet. That's totally <laughs> Alex Jones. I could see that. And then the pigeons just, they follow him in a in like a halo. So wherever he goes, he'll just have this perpetual internet connectivity until a storm comes and then the pigeons have to go away. And then, you know, you run the risk of, you know, what what offends you um, is, is what we're going to start censoring. Then you don't get the actual story out there, um, you know. But people don't want information, Brendan. They only well, want commentary. Well, I, I, I understand that. And, and I think one of the, the biggest... Um, Examples of this is, is you know, being a journalist in Florida, um, I've had to, I, I normally cover space, but when a breaking news event happens, I jump in and I am the reporter for uh, the Pulse shooting, for the Parkland shooting, and, you know, there were people coming out and, and absolutely just chastising us for posting the name of the shooter, and it's like, okay, well, that's the truth, is, like, his name was this, and you have to... Right. You know, we we are we are writing the first chapter of history, basically as journalists. We have to include that in our story, um, and and we've had angry emails of people saying, you know, don't post this information because it offends me. You know, you're glorifying this, and I, and I understand that. But once you start censoring everything just to to be non-offensive, then you actually lose the truth in the actual. Story. Um, and I, I think right. that that's but where we don't is. want the truth. We want agreeable things <laughs> that are called the truth. Right. TN. Yes. I mean, thing, I, heard, I, I read yesterday, hating on Harry Potter is ableist. Oh, yeah. I saw that. And my friend, she's a writer, was literally going livid about that. Right. But guess what? All it takes is one person with enough network, network contacts in a protected class to say, oh, this is against my protected class, whatever mm -hmm. it is. Then that's it. All it takes is one. And then pff, it's over. And autism is something that's very near and dear to my heart because I'm on the spectrum. Uh, or it, I might not be, but people would believe it if I told them, so I might be. Uh, that's, that's where I am. And I, and I honestly believe that autism is a spectrum, but a lot of people say, yeah, it's a spectrum, but then there's non-autistic people. So you have like a zero, and then a, you have like a completely non-autistic person, and you have this colored spectrum of autism that goes from... I don't know. That doesn't make any sense. They're trying to combine binary and spectral logic, and it, it doesn't it doesn't work. But that's the world that we're going into, and it's a world of, of, of more censorship and more fascism and less truth. And honestly, the people who are complaining about fascism are the ones that are throwing us into it. Yeah, I, I think that there is a war against truth, and, and uh, you know, us journalists are, are um, we're not able to do our jobs because no, this... You know, you, you say that, Brendan, and you're uh, a very good journalist, but... Think about all those idiots on CNN that just kind of that create fake. They're creating news out of thin air. They're creating. It's not even news. It's just television programming. They're creating hours of, of TV oh, out of whole cloth. The ed. Um, I know there's a name for it. Um, it's like edit edu, edu, edutainment, not educational entertainment, but, but it's editorial. Not, but it's, that's oh. an editorial combined with information. Which is even I know more reason for you to support your local public radio station during this 
fun drive. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's right. Public radio. Uh, except except when they're underwritten by the Archer Daniels Midland Foundation or the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation or Monsanto. Except for them, then you know, they're, or Carbonite, then it's fine. But the the, the thing is, is that I, I I I it's it's sad. When you see respect, when you see people that talk about, oh, we're in a, a war on truth, and then they spend eight hours a day reading Cheeto Jesus's Twitter, right. like it means anything. That's part of the problem. Isn't there, like, Jeff Zucker at the head of CNN doesn't realize why he got that package. Because he immediately, the day he got that package, he blamed it on Cheeto Jesus. And he's like, no, that's why you got the mail idiot that you got to stop doing that and focus on what you type into the, the the reel at the bottom that nobody reads that's the actual news yeah so i think that, that this is this is a, a a reason to have a conversation about uh news literacy and science literacy and how to but people there's a lot of influential i'm sorry to interrupt but there's a lot of influential people that believe that they're news literate that they're the party of science that believe that believe things irrationally and then believe that MSNBC is the truth. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And 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 on the other side of things, uh, it, it's very yeah, exactly. it's, it's very frustrating as journalists to, to kind of see this stuff happening. Yeah, I, I share your your frustration and anger, <laughs> Eric. Thank you. Well, you know, I at least I can't really. There's not much anger to be had in your neck of the woods. I mean, talking about space, it's always interesting. It's usually exciting. Oh, there's plenty of stuff anger. going on. See my Twitter mentions. <laughs> <laughs> What's your Twitter, everyone? We should follow it. I, yeah, I am at Space Brendan. Go ahead and just send me crappy tweets. Go ahead. <laughs> Hey, look, it's okay. My my sister is a is a news reporter out west uh, in the uh, Central Coast News Leader KSBC, and oh, cool. she gets she gets viewer mail. Uh, she she's a field reporter. She gets viewer mail that say, "Oh, don't wear those glasses. Oh, it's not making your nose look any smaller." I would, like the 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 stuff that my my female colleagues have to deal with is uh, it's it's absolutely it, terrible. It's beyond reproach. Yeah, it's like. They, they, I have never gotten an angry letter about someone commenting on my voice, and I know my voice is not the best. Or your beard. Or, or my beard. Yeah, that, yes, I, I only get compliments on it. But like the 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 amount of you know people that write on our Facebook wall that like a public like form that are like, oh, such and such as voice, she sounds like a child. You should get her off the air or make her sound different. Like you've got to be kidding me. Like that's absolutely right. Like, her work is fantastic, and you're stuck up on on her voice, but you don't give you know two craps about what I sound like. I don't know. It's another rant I could go on. Yes, no, but it's it's very it's it's very well founded. Yeah. It's an unfortunate uh, uh, gender disparity. Yeah, no, I, I'm sorry. In, your in your sister has to, has to on deal with that as well. It, yes, it is. And, and even in even in a medium where you don't see us, um, there is still uh, right. the the women get far more complaints about their voices than men do. Well, I mean, there's there's one area of female speech that really bothers me and it's unfortunately more women seem to be it's, it affects men as well, but more women seem to be Vocal guilty fry? of it. Vocal fry. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a that was that's a huge debate in public media because vocal, vocal, vocal fry, fry a, and up talk. Vocal fry is a part of your um your it's character a part of your it's, vocal a, it's, a, it's a part of who you are change that changes the way you sound to sound more um anglo-centric uh basically right so. but you know remember when we talked about the party of science mm-hmm. 
and the videos that people post from the doctors post about how horrible vocal fry is for you and how there's all these a lot of young women that sound like they've been smoking cigarettes for 50 years because they because all they do is just talk like that's the whole time and then they end up with an incredibly raspy voice with no dynamic mm -hmm. and it, 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 it's 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 more startling to me when I listen to women younger women or like young adults from 50 or 60 years ago and they they had so much more color in their voice and how they talked and it wasn't just necessarily an accent it was just the way that they put words together the way that they modulated their voice it was it was honest honestly it was sexy compared to the oh my god the L China's not running this weekend I can't I don't know is it just me okay okay Okay. Anyway, um, moving on. Uh, oh, yeah. One last thing about free speech. Kamala Harris, who I believe will beat out Bernie Sanders, unfortunately, in the primaries for no reason. Um, Unlikely. Uh, yeah. Wait for him to lose to her for some odd reason that no one's going to understand. Just, just like last time. And uh, she, wants, she wants to hold social media platforms responsible for quote-unquote hate, even though they are... That's that's like holding them responsible for vaccines. That's not actually doing anything, is it? Do you think that do you think that if people are allowed it's ironic because she said this is a threat to our democracy. Social media platforms are, are almost entirely democratic. So if they're responsible for hate, then blocking it is actually a threat to our democracy. What do you think? Honestly, no. Um the issue with social media and hate is that fundamentally hate is a result of society in and of itself. The one thing I will say, though, is developing societies have issues of communication. But then again, my favorite thing is of the biggest source of genocide, for example, Rwanda, was a radio tower. So it's not necessarily, oh, no, the Internet, because that's more old men yells at the cloud. It's more mass media. And unless you're going to say, hey, let's not have mass media, which is an argument, which is a weird and prim argument that I'm not willing to <laughs> join. Yeah, it's more. I'd say it's more a mass media argument because a radio station, Wanda, that he said these people are evil, and it was this one radio station using technology from 120 years ago? Right. Or remember, remember there was that guy who um, he heard a congressman who was at a baseball game or something like that because he had been just watching so much MSNBC and CNN that he just was. Convinced that all the Republicans are Hitler. Oh yeah, the guy who shot. Yeah, the guy who shot them. A bunch of them up. But like yeah. I said, it's just law of large it's not, numbers. That had nothing to do with social media. It's law of large numbers and mass media, and no one wants to ban mass media besides a few and prims. But a lot of people want to censor it under the name of good, which is not. It's not going to be good. We had to fight so hard to not be censored, and now the people on the left are doing the censorship. The, and Facebook, George Carlin even said that. Facebook already controls what you. See. Just we think of it as a positive thing. The, the, the newsfeed algorithm and the advertising is something that Facebook controls. We seem to ignore that when it's to our benefit. But the idea that they would take something away that I guess we think we should see based on principle seems to be different. But I don't see the difference. The thing and the things that it takes away, you won't even know that it's been taken away because you're exactly. not well, if see it's it. hate speech, no one will miss it. No, but you're not going to see it. And what if, and it depends on what gets classified as hate speech because I've been put on Facebook's list. So a lot of the stuff that I've uh, on my account that got banned twice last year uh, that I would write 
would get flagged as hate speech that wasn't. And stuff that wasn't hate speech, or that, that really was hate speech, like Zionists belong in camps that I report as hate speech, Facebook finds this goes does not violate our community standards. Oh, okay. Well, then you change the community standards. Then you change, Thanks, standard. then you change oh, yeah. the then you change the algorithm. I mean, for well, example, no, but, my, but, but my point is, is that they, uh, anyway, it's it's fine. We've, we've spent a lot of time talking about, about this. Uh, and we're like 40 minutes into the show. Why don't we move on to a quick... How do I do this gracefully? Ah, I can't do it gracefully. There's no, there's no graceful part of this. There's no graceful part of the show. Um, okay, why don't we move on to talking some crap about Apple with our... Apple Attack! Where we do that thing I just said. First up, Apple wins a lawsuit over the group FaceTime eavesdropping bug that was present in iOS 12. If you were calling somebody in a Facebook in a Facebook group in a FaceTime group and they hadn't picked up, you were able to listen to what they were what they were doing. It just activated the microphone in their phone like the FBI can do to you all the time. So, uh, some guy, the guy who sued them ended up uh, they, he settled out of court. What happened? Oh no, the kid the kid who discovered it, um, Apple gave him a, like a big old like here you go job. sack of money. Yep, that's good. Uh, the petition does not allege facts about any available alternative design. He fails to allege facts about the iOS 12.1 software as to whether the defect, the defect that allegedly allowed for a third party to eavesdrop on his FaceTime group call was unreasonable for the product's ordinary use. <laughs> that wasn't... They, wait, I have to... He fails to allege facts that the software as to whether the defect allowed, allegedly, a third party to eavesdrop was unreasonable? He couldn't prove that that was unreasonable? What?! Honestly, that's the secret of a good lawyer. The general. Oh, sorry. But yeah, it's like one of those. What is the meaning of is? What is the meaning of unreasonable? Well, if uh, you're calling me and I don't pick up, you should not hear what I'm doing. That's reasonable. Honestly, that's how the phone system has worked. What do you think, Brendan? I have no idea. <laughs> well, okay. Um. Williams generalized the allegation that the iOS 12.1 software was unreasonably dangerous and caused him in him injury. That's a little much. The petition recites pleading elements, but it does not allege facts. It could show Apple's knowledge of the defect or that Apple could reasonably have foreseen that an unknown third party would listen to Williams' group FaceTime call without his permission. Well, just ask the government. Of course they would. Williams' claim also fails because he did not state facts that he could show that Apple's alleged negligent decision or manufacture of 12.1 approximately caused his injury. Wow. Apple wins in a narrow, narrow win for Apple. Um, and I think that's it. Everything else is about the stupid iPhones. I don't care. Oh, the next iPhone's gonna have three cameras. Oh my god, it might have 64 megapixels and come in black and white and maybe rose gold. <laughs> I don't... I am just want the SE form factor back, not for me. But don't a lot they of have people. that? No, but I mean the SE form factor, but, you know, put the guts of an 8 in it. Didn't they do SE that? is a 6. The SE is a... Effectively, it's a 6. What's the XR? The XR, which is this phone, I'm sure I'm having right here... It's a weird. It's about Isn't it like the eight. No, yeah, it's about the same size as the eight. Let me see. The XR. Oh, no, it's still it's oh oh. What's the difference between this and the X S? Um, lesser screen, but eh, I don't what? need. 
honestly, the regular X has a better screen. Oh, it's you don't have fatter. the OLED screen. Yeah, exactly, and it's a little fatter. You know what? The OLED screen on this, I think, was a mistake because when I have, I see a lot of tearing. Oh, here, I'll put the music back on. I see a lot of tearing, and when I have this in low light mode, the XS, this phone's under a year old, and you're scrolling through like squares of black and gray, you can see the black and gray lag behind the text. You can see park, like hues of an image lag behind the rest of an image when you're scrolling. It's this one of the weirdest things I've ever seen, and it's because of OLED. Why I was like, let me get an XR, because I do need a new iPhone, and I didn't want to get an 8. I had a 7 Plus. I'm oh. like, let me get the XR. And yeah, in general for iPhones, I never first job first jump between a drastically new technology. That's why I did the XS, not the X. Mm -hmm. But um, even this phone, like, it started to have Bluetooth issues. It's, it's, and I, and I got suckered into the new iPhone every year plan because I didn't want to just drop 1400 It works out to the same money. If you buy the phone outright every two years, it works out to the same money as upgrading every year on the Verizon stupid plan, which also means that the phones are going to be made to last a year, like the Bluetooth that already is cutting out, even though I don't have a headphone port in this effing phone. I know that feeling. Like, I have a corporate seven, and I have to get a new phone every about every year, and even though it's paid for by corporate because things like, hey, it's not charging so well. Right, uh, the I connector, the, the lightning connector doesn't work. I have the same problem on my 6S over there. Yeah, I mean, at least with the new one, hopefully I can just deal with wireless charging. That's meantime, right. But still. Wireless charging is a game changer. The 8, even the 8 supports it. Um, I mean, and that's what really has allowed me to get around the whole how do you listen and charge the phone at the same time. Uh, but, and also I guess I've been wearing Bluetooth headphones more. But every headphone adapter that I've had has, has been garbage for this phone. I've mentioned it on this podcast before, but now that it's warming up, A, can't, it doesn't work in the winter. I, that's like, okay. How, do you, how does that even get out the door? But B, uh, it's, it also stops working after like two hours. And C, the Apple one, if you jiggle the cable, you can hear the audio drop out. That you have to buy because it doesn't come with the phone anymore. So then I bought, that was the first one. So the audio was dropping out. Then I got this Pro Audio Lightning D to A, holy crap, converter. Doesn't work when it's under 55 degrees out. And also, if I'm listening to it for an extended period of time, it'll just turn off. I got a case that has, that has a D to A built in. So it actually adds the headphone port back. Whenever I walk, it makes a... It makes... Sound. As there's something shorting out in there. And then uh, now I'm just using Bluetooth as they wanted me to, and the tumor in my head is growing. <laughs> Honestly, the Bluetooth... It's only on the right side, because that's where the antenna is, you know? I do use the Bluetooth, but it's only when I have to use my car or something. Right. Which is it's useful for that, but otherwise it's like, I've just stopped listening to, I guess, music. <laughs> you just stopped on listening the go. to music. Yeah. I don't know. Brendan, what phone do you have these days? you have an Android? Uh, I have a BlackBerry. No, just kidding. I have an Android. I almost, I believed you for <laughs> half a second. I thought it was like, Public you radio. do work for NPR, you know? <laughs> no, I've got an Android. Uh, kind of cheap photo fix. Do you have a headphone for it? I do, yeah. It's a standard uh, quarter-inch plug. It's awesome. So, you mean eighth-inch? Eighth-inch, yeah, sorry. Yeah, that Android with a quarter-inch plug, that'd be very that'd interesting. That'd be a very thick Android. <laughs> yes, Jason, how about you? You know, I have an iPhone 6. S and I you know, think uh, it does, and I fact that I can charge it and still listen to music and have a normal headphone cable. Do you have iOS 12 on it? Um, 
Perhaps I've, I've, I go through all the updates. You go Whatever Apple updates? tells me to do, I do. Really? That, that's. Uh... Do you call yourself a rule follower? <laughs> Just generally? When it. Uh... Yes, generally I'm a rule a follower. follower. I'll go on record saying that. Okay, um, that's fine. I'm a bad boy. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's why I got banned from Facebook twice. Anyway, uh, it's interesting because my success, the battery, I had battery issues, and I got the battery replaced, and I still had battery issues. So I, I have very few problems beyond the occasional, you know, the keyboard doesn't come up on when I'm texting right. for five seconds. But otherwise, but I'm, yeah, I'm surprised. It's, it's I haven't needed. I thought Apple would have made me buy a new phone by now, and right. I actually have not had to. The only the reason how I ended up getting an XS was because um, I had a 6S and I had the battery issue and like in the, in one week the phone like it just it lost power when the battery had full charge and it was a new battery and then it like it wouldn't or, and I left it plugged in all night and it didn't charge either and it, like that happened in the same week and I just couldn't use my phone and I also wanted to see what would uh, I had AT and T I wanted to see if switching to Verizon would would be any better I go to Williamsburg to the Verizon store. And I have pretty good AT&T service. Uh, and I go in there, and I and I was planning on saying, oh, you know, good. what are you going to, what do you Verizon guys got over AT&T? See how fast this is? Go to the Verizon store, and my phone says, no service. <laughs> Literally says no service in the Verizon store. And I show them my phone, and I say, very good magician's tricks, young Moses. How did you do this one? <laughs> And they said AT&T took down the towers in Williamsburg because of gentrification. Believe that. And Verizon, because it's the original telephone company, they care about New York. So now I'm, on, now I'm really on the grid. I um, will say this. My corporate phone is Verizon, and I've literally had it work on a mountain in the middle of rural Vermont on a ski wow. resort. And I'm like, oh, I can get full service. But it doesn't give you good throughput on the Metro North. I on, had a MiFi. I know it's true. I literally when oh, we I went to Pacific, last time. Didn't yes. We? Yeah. yeah. Why? That I can't. I think there's like no. Ta- I think there's like no towers on along that line or something. But that's very sad. What's a very densely populated area area yes. that could use that connectivity? Everyone works on the train. All the commuters are on their laptops. How could there not be signal there? I used to live on the Metro North. Like, that, I mean, if you can't do work on it, you can't, it's hard. It's hard to keep paying those tickets. So it was $450 a month from New Haven to uh, Grand Central. Yeah. Most expensive Metro North ticket, period. And is the same price as leasing a BMW. Honestly, it's not as bad as Jersey Transit. There is a $700 a month ticket from Philadelphia <laughs> to New York City. Jesus. Se- but that's 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 from Philly. They're commuting from Philly to New York. That's a little bit further than New Haven. The thing is, someone is doing it because they sell it. Someone's doing it. Jeez. But you're but New Jersey Transit stops in Trenton. So you have yeah. to take so you take SEPTA to Trenton and then New Jersey Transit. Yep. And it's the same ticket. Yep, they were they they have a through agreement because there used to be a train that went all the way from Philly. It's called Amtrak. Yeah, but it was a Jersey Transit train that uh, made uh, limited stops. I got gotcha. you. You know what? As as people get as people keep getting pushed out and as rail hopefully keeps getting better, I unfortunately see that kind of happening. And we'll just we'll just kind of annex Philadelphia as like the seventh borough. People are telling me to buy in Philadelphia, and I'm like, Jesus, nice city. I would say, I would say buy in Pittsburgh. 
but that's people keep forgetting Pittsburgh's a place. But Pittsburgh is for tech bros. I'm a tech bro. You're Perfect. a tech bro. Yeah, that's You're true. a tech bro. <laughs> oh, God, am I? Yes. The only, the worst thing about Pittsburgh is their accent. Right, Brandon? Uh, my family's from Pittsburgh, so I it's kind of endearing. I like the <laughs> Yins. But, but, you know, do, do they all sound, are they all Yinzers? Uh, yeah, yeah, they're all, they're all Yinzers. Pitt, Pittsburgh's very near and dear to my heart. I, I've, as I've been saying, when the ice caps melt and uh, New York is underwater, I will go back. But, um... And I've noticed that there's no young people that sound like that because that accent has been one of the most stigmatized in the country. Well, all my cousins. Yeah. <laughs> Do they? Oh, yeah. Okay, well then, yeah. you know what? I, sorry, maybe I was just living in gentrified uh. Pittsburgh then. And that's, uh, I heard much more vocal fry, unfortunately, around <laughs> Pittsburgh than than uh, needs fixed and uh, and uh, all those very round O sounds. Y'all going that they down say to the south throughout. side there, huh? Yeah, Exactly. Yeah, gone, gone downtown. Gone downtown, Steelers. Steelers. <laughs> yeah. See that now? That sounds so they, like they home. leave. They leave. The, the, <laughs> it's the tradition of leaving letters out of words yeah. that we do really well in America. And any any regional accent typically leaves letters out of words. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's yeah. Pittsburgh does it really well, and they have their own dialect of English. Oh, yeah. like Pittsburgh is, is Pittsburgh English is a thing. Like New York English is a thing. Right up your room and wash your clothes, all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, what is it? My ex girlfriend was from Pittsburgh, and I lived there for two and a half years, and it's. I I just I don't know it's it's weird, I I I I, fi- I finally shook myself of that the long O sound O, mm-hmm. approach home, it's like that I don't know anyway, uh why don't we okay that's that's been enough uh, Apple attack, all right, why don't we talk about space, because that's why we're here, and Brendan I feel like I'm wasting your time with this tech <laughs> nonsense. It's been fun. So, I mean, what's a good how do we like? We need we need some like uh, ambient music or something. Cosmic, cosmic. I a, should have planned for this. I know, I know. I can't. I mean, we we can't do anything. We can't. We can't do anything like uh, like this. This is not playing. Can't play that song. Uh uh oh. Oh, that was the wrong. Okay, that was the wrong pot. It's good. I said can't can't play that song. Um, we also can't play uh, can't play this song. Uh, what else? Uh, well, that's a good space. We'll just ask listeners got a second device and play <laughs> copyrighted songs in the background. No. We're How's that? No. This sucks. I should have thought about this beforehand. Anyway. It sounds kind of spacey. It does. It sounds like something at Epcot. I like it. I feel like I should, like, we're... Stardate 2019-0512. I was gonna These say. are the stories of the Pull Request podcast. <laughs> Sorry. I was going to say, I feel more like, we got to go. We got to go on the ship. Blow up this asteroid, come back home. Easy day. <laughs> I feel like an IMAX film. Is that's about a, that's an Aerosmith song. <laughs> I never thought of being it. Anyway, um, all right. So I got I, I I found some space news from a very cliche domain, spacenews.com, which was by coincidence. Uh, it's not something from 1999. 
And um, actually, wait, before we talk about that, there was uh, there was a story from your neck of the woods. Ah, yes, from WMFE. Yes. Your home base, Brendan. Uh, private companies help launch research from our alma mater into space. Yes. And they launched... And it wasn't pot or prescription drugs. They launched Tell the Citronaut into space. It's actually pretty cool. Do, do you remember... Is that an astronaut made out of did oranges? Did you know that the that the University of Central Florida, before it was University of Central Florida, was the Florida Institute of... No, Florida Technical Institute. Yes. And their mascot was the Citronaut, which looked like it was a an, an orange, like the fruit, uh, dressed like it was on the Jetsons. Um <laughs> Yes, it's the coolest little mascot ever, and um, this group of that looks so sixties. Right? It is Did the you most look, 60s you look things it ever. That's cool. cool, right? I half expect it need to be brought back. Yeah, I love it. I love it on the football field. Well, so so one of the researchers um, at, at UCS Planetary Science Division, she loves it too. Her name's Addie Dove, and um, she's been flying this experiment on all sorts of suborbital flights um, through Virgin Galactic, uh, through. Blue Origins, a new Shepard. Um, she's done the Vomit Comet, um, and this last Blue Origin flight, they had some extra payload space, so they like zip tied um, the Citronaut, um, a plush Citronaut, um, and sent him into space. And um, it's the coolest thing in the world. So, oh, that was dramatic. That was nice. <laughs> Thanks. That's uh, yeah. Wow. Okay, so what's the research for? So her research is she's looking at how early planets formed. Um, basically, like, we know how gravity works, right? You know, there's big objects that pull other big objects together. Um, but how do, like, little particles of dust actually collect to create these big objects? Ah. Um, so her study is basically taking all of these simulants of tiny little, like, grains of sand or... Um, asteroid regolith or whatnot and uh, basically sending them up on these suborbital flights, putting them in this microgravity environment and watching how they interact with each other. And from there she can build um, kind of simulations of how the tiny particles, the grains of sand start to stick together and create something bigger and bigger like a, like a baseball size or whatever. And how does that turn into a planet? Um, so it's like, it's stuff that we don't really understand right now and that's what she's working on. And yeah, I don't really understand what you said either. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, the nice thing other is, other than how pieces of dust collect to create a uh, an asteroid, you know, it's funny because uh, I can watch that happen in my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> right, but not in a micro. I just not don't mock for a week, and I, just yeah. all this dust kind of comes in a becomes a sphere. I just don't know how. Right, and and so they don't uh, understand how it happens in a microgravity environment. And the thing with um, you, you can study this stuff on the space station, right? So you can you can get this, you know, a, a, a clear kind of capsule fill it with this stuff put a camera on top of it and just kind of watch it and they they you know map out the path that these things take and how they come together but the problem with doing research on the iss is there's a lot of ambient vibration um so you know if you're an astronaut on the iss and you push yourself up against the wall to go somewhere you're going to vibrate the experiment or the international space they station couldn't put neoprene in the in the there's walls? yeah there's no neoprene Something. or anything like that um why not and, and the space station has Wait. to change its altitude every That's now and then. That's not that heavy. Um, it has to like it has to fire its engines and change its altitude, which would mess up the experiment. Um, so with all of these suborbital flights coming online, like like 
Blue Origins, New Shepard, and Virgin Galactic, she's able to get like three minutes of uninterrupted uh, microgravity. Actually, she gets the best data from these kind of flights than she would something on space station. That's kind of cool. What What's the overhead around the three minutes of microgravity? Is it like an hour to get those three minutes? That's a really good question that I don't know the answer to. Um, I know that they, they have to load up their experiments early, and their experiments are all set to kind of trigger at a certain point during the flight. Um, and they're still parsing through the data, and like her film has to get cleared by Blue Origin before she can publish it. Stuff. Um, so there's a lot that goes into it. Um, and there's a lot of research that goes into the like hardware on the experiment itself. You know, you're, you're getting just this one tiny window to the experiment. You don't want something to fail or the camera not to work or the trigger not to happen. Um, so there's a lot of experiment right. or a lot of stuff that goes into kind of building the experiment itself before you actually. Huh. It's cool stuff. Okay. Yeah. And there's a great, there's Sweet. a great picture. If you go on, uh, either my Twitter um, or you can go on to find Citronaut Dave. Um, oh, I see He's him. on Twitter, and that. you can actually see him strapped into... Uh, so cute. And she was telling me they haven't released the video yet, but you can, like, when they launched the new Shepard, it, it obviously has some positive G-forces, that you can actually see him, like, getting compressed in seat. And then, like, <laughs> and then the moment he kind of fills back up again is when her experiment triggered because it knew it was in microgravity. Pretty cool. That's they actually cool. use that it is- as, as a gravity analog. Wow. And, you know, uh, back when I lived in Orlando, my arms were also that color arm. Yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> that sun is brutal. Anyway. Um, all right. Let's move on. Brendan, do you actually have to go in a few minutes? or can um, you stick I can around? stick around until uh, I, uh, I got about a half hour. With you. Um, okay, good. Then let's okay. uh, let's not dawdle because I guess we wasted too much of your time with the nonsense about tech. Uh, even though we try every time not to. Um, let's let's uh, let's talk about uh, Telesat's low earth orbit plan dedicated satellite factory bulk launch contracts and a variety of antennas so tell us that's really cool um telesat actually took an early gamble on spacex and it paid off um they're like one of what is telesat telesat is, is a uh, i believe it's a european uh, communication um, canadian uh, yeah uh, a communication out, outfit so basically they provide like cable television satellite coverage but um oh. I, I think the, the bigger story is this new trend to build dedicated satellite factory and launch these giant constellation satellites for community. Um, so uh, next week, SpaceX plans to launch 60 of its own um, communication satellites for its Starlink. Um, basically, it wants to blanket the globe with broadband internet. Um, and Basically, just like what I said Alex Jones wants to do with pigeons around his head. Yeah, that's uh, a very good way to put it. Um, so that that's what? happening. Um, there's another company called OneWeb that's building an actual satellite manufacturing factory and on the Space Coast here in Florida. So basically, like, they're going to manufacture a like refrigerator-sized communication satellite every day um, wow. that will come off the the uh, manufacturing room floor, get driven over to a launch or a rocket. Right here at, at the Cape Canaveral, and then launched in. Um, and there's and and Telesat obviously is doing this as well. So it's like all of these companies are trying to build these massive. Instead of having one giant satellite providing coverage, you have a bunch of little ones providing coverage. 
Um, so that, that's, that's great because then the, the the area that they can cover is a lot wider. Yes, and if one fails, it has more right, redundancy. Exactly. Uh, now let me ask you this: There's a lot of space junk. There's a lot of extra stuff that's already cluttering uh, uh, cluttering our the orbit around. I don't know if it's the low Earth orbit, but just something uh, one type of orbit around the Earth is completely cluttered with all this trash, all this garbage from the last 50 years of, of space travel. If we're creating these constellations of satellites, isn't that going to magnify this problem? It absolutely is. That's And then that's going to make it harder perpetually to launch new things? Yeah, and, and that's why there have been calls to kind of have uh, called space situational awareness and tracking and all of this stuff. And... Um, you know, these satellites will, will will live at different layers within low Earth orbit, right? So they're not going to be living in the layer where our military satellites are or where our GPS satellites are. SpaceX... But they're still kind of... I mean, are they geostationary or synchronous? Um, that is a really good question. I believe the first round of the SpaceX satellites are not geosynchronous. They are going to be on um, a different orbit. The plan is to have them at a geosynchronous, meaning they're one... Spot. Um, but that wouldn't you rather have right, right, exactly. So this way they'd be easier to plan yeah. around. Um, the, the SpaceX ones they actually received FCC approval to be at a much lower altitude than 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 the other constellations were. And SpaceX basically sold this as well. Hey, if there's something wrong with them, the you know the natural air resistance of the atmosphere will actually pull them out of orbit and they will burn up in the atmosphere. We don't have to worry about them. On the other side of things, SpaceX will actually have a much lower latency than its competitors, so they're pretty excited about having it orbit them. But long story short, the FCC is very concerned about controlling these things. Um, if they do fail, they need to be able to deorbit themselves and get out of the way of other satellites going to be occupying the same space. But it's also I'm assuming you've heard of the good news, though. Um, the British firm that uh, the British firm um, removed debris. Well, they're working with obviously established British aerospace firms to make, and it's going to sound really primitive, but it's literally a space net. Yeah. They launched it aboard a SpaceX rocket, and it works. Yeah. So it looks like we do have a potential solution. Wasn't there also a rule, like a one up, one down rule for everything that we put up? We'd have to bring something down. I heard that somewhere. I don't yeah, know. that I'm not aware of. Uh, but I mean, there are calls for space situational awareness. But but that um, that kind of grappling hook or, or space net is 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 <laughs> it's it, it, it's really cool. <laughs> it's it's really neat. It's a bat net. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and it works. It, it's better than um, nothing. Like India's attempt at blowing up a satellite and causing yeah that weapon yeah. that happened is yeah. like, oh no causing thousands of. Wasn't that Space the brain. end of, like, Superman 2, something like that, where, like, there was a nuclear misfire and it blew up the Earth? <laughs> something like that? Am I thinking of RoboCop? Anyway, um, that's really cool. Uh, it's, it's, really, it's really nice uh, to see all these private companies jumping in and trying to build satellites and stuff, and it's not just NASA themselves. There's a lot of—it really seems like there's a, a significant push for a private space sector— uh, which includes our uh, space force, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, we talked about uh, uh, Peter Branson. Peter Branson, right? Richard. 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 Thank you, Dicky. Peter's his. Uh, yeah, no, the black Dick, sheep of the family. No, I didn't forgot make any money. Yeah, uh, it's. It, I was thinking Peter Frampton. 
not Richard <laughs> Branson. Anyway, Dickie, by the way, uh, he's, uh, if you know, you're friends with him like I am. Uh, but then you would also remember his name if we were actually friends. Anyway, uh, Virgin Galactic uh, plans to move its spaceship carrier aircraft and flight operations personnel this summer from Mojave, California, to whatever the next update to Mac OS is going to be called. <laughs> Somewhere else in California. Uh, to, New Me- <laughs> to New Mexico's Spaceport America company executives announced on the 10th of May. The move will occur after the spaceship company, affirmed owned by Virgin Galactic, completes the cabin interior for the spaceship two-vehicle VSS Unity. Sounds like a STD. Um, blah, 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 said during a press conference. Galactic is completing work in the interior of its dedicated facility at Spaceport America, known as the Gateway to Space. Space, space, space. We are now in the closing stages of the work and staff zones of the building and will soon and well into the customer astronaut training areas. Okay. Did not ex- uh, indicate when they begin to, uh, plan to begin to offer commercial flights. It's exciting, I know. Uh, it, it is. It's, it's very exciting. Um, Virgin is, is doing some really cool things. And, um, is they just using the money from their awful airline to fund this? <laughs> I, yeah, actually, uh, I, I, they're not in, in my backyard, so I don't cover them heavily as a but. I mean, they're they're doing some great things. I mean, some of their well, they bought the they bought the Bright Line, they bought the Bright, yes, and they and they're they're the the Virgin Galactic stuff. How do they have this money? But the, I mean, cell phones, cell phones. They've got an airline. Records. Um, they still in the music business? That's a good question. I don't right. Know. Weren't they a record label? Yeah, Virgin Group. Yes, yeah. Virgin Group's one of those weird, large multinationals that does everything. That's probably where the money's coming from. Um, okay. Moving on, uh, have you, Brendan, met uh, Jim Bridenstine? I have, yes. What's he like? He's a cool dude. Um, How tall is he? Uh, he's about my height, saying much. Um, like 5'9"? Yeah, probably about 5'9". I, I think we're about the same height. Okay. He's really passionate he, about space, a... um, which uh, is probably a good prerequisite if you're the administrator of NASA. Um, Where's he from? He's from Oklahoma. Does he have an accent? He does not. Uh, he was actually a congressman from Oklahoma. Um, which which is kind of new for this position. Congressman from Oklahoma yeah, he, who's pro-space. Yeah. Um, that but he knows how to navigate odd. Congress, which is something that's very important for NASA, funding that, that they need. Um, oh, yeah. Ironically, they can navigate a satellite to the outer reaches of the solar system, but they can't navigate their way through Capitol Hill. Ah! Anyway, it's true. Uh <laughs> I crack myself up. Um, so, uh, Bridenstine is trying to convince people in Congress to go back to the moon? Okay, well, it's a little more nuanced. So, Bridenstine has been charged by the Trump administration to people in Congress to go back to the moon. Um, kind of out of nowhere. Why? Um, why? Well, so, out of nowhere earlier here, um, the vice president uh, gave a speech saying go back to the moon um and we're going to do it not by 2024. because it is easy but because it is hard we decide to do that no, well sorry. he decided to do it because that would be for election as president is 2020 um so he wants he wants to go to the moon by then and have oh something feather in his cap to bring to the american voters but it this this whole thing kind of came out of nowhere and it covered later that jim bridenstine the administrator of NASA found out about this charge by the Trump administration to turn to the moon. 
like the day that Hence was making announcement. So basically, oh, this was kind of good communication thrown together by the Trump administration. Um, and then they were like, hey, NASA, figure it out. And it has been just this giant cluster of NASA trying to figure out how we can put humans on the moon five years um, with the budget that NASA requested just weeks beforehand that did not have any of these things built into it. Um, so, As far as I've heard, NASA doesn't necessarily want to go back to the moon. They're more interested in Mars, aren't they? Well, so Mars... I mean, minus, minus the overarching, uh, you know, executive branch. Mars has always been what NASA would call the horizon. So that's the goal that, that you're always working towards that is always like a decade away. What has always been under contention is where do you go before that? So under the Obama administration, plan was, like, I am going to repeat, like, this plan verbatim from uh, a senator that told me it. Um, the plan was it. to lasso an asteroid and bring it into lunar orbit and learn how to live and work on this asteroid. So that was the plan. So, like, plan was to build a rocket and this vehicle that would go and find this near-Earth asteroid, literally run a cable around it, and drag it into lunar orbit, and that was, they were going to test all of their deep space stuff from that asteroid first, and then eventually. Yeah, I wonder I wonder what, what gave him that idea. Yeah. <laughs> well, it makes sense. I mean, if you can figure out the issues like, you know, breaking, long-term life support, but the still issue with Mars is simply distance. You know, At best, it takes 720 days. Using, not assuming we don't use your... Not assuming we use nuclear or any other exotic propulsion means to go to Mars. You get the Armageddon joke. Yeah. The Aerosmith music. <laughs> yes. And, 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 that, and that's the thing is there's, there's always... I'm, I'm serious. I feel like he just watched that movie. And he's like, hey, that's not a bad idea. Okay. There, there's always the need to... You need to test out those things first. And so under Obama, it was the, the asteroid. Under the Trump administration, it was, we're going to go ahead and return to the moon. Which makes sense. Um, the moon as you mentioned, is not seven or nine months away. It is maybe at most four days. So if you screw something up on the moon, you can get back and pretty much be safe. Um, so that's that's where it kind of fits into this whole we're going to go to Mars. Thing. Now there's a fun hashtag that NASA is pushing. Um, hashtag moon to Mars. Um, and that's the new, the new goal forward. I'm still convinced, though, that between SpaceX and, you know, obviously Jeff Bezos' rocket, that will probably, go, that some billionaire will probably pay for a private mission to the moon. And technology wise, it's probably doable. As in, we don't require any well, if, exotics. If Jeff Bezos does it, at least they'll get there on day one. <laughs> Sorry. I still don't know what a day one company is. Especially when everything on Amazon takes two days to get to you. What is a day one company? <laughs> I, I think that anyway. it's, it's going... You're absolutely right that SpaceX, they have this whole plan to, to put people around the moon and, and make that first trip there. Um, and for NASA to be able to, to make this 2024 goal, they have to rely on um, private help 
And if if you which is fine, I I, yeah. I think I'm sorry to I, interject I mean, because I, I really believe that NASA was only made to bootstrap the space industry. Yes. It wasn't made to be the space industry. Yeah, yeah. And, I and, mean, and look, the original moon lander wasn't built by NASA. It was built by a contract. You know, that's that's how NASA and it works. was. You know, and it was filmed on a set in Hollywood, and that's <laughs> you know, it was right there. Yeah. So are Boeing's like rocket? The thing is, their new Vulcan rocket, which is effectively Jeff Bezos's rocket. They share it bothers the same me engine. that you don't yeah, say Bezos like someone from Bezos. the East Coast. Why do you say Bezos? That's how you pronounce his name. Is I don't give Bezos. a crap. Okay. I say Oregon. I don't say or. He's. I don't say or. or how do you? How do you say? Oregon. Oregon. There you go. I'll give that. No. Anyway. Um, have you met Jeff Bezos? I did. Yeah. Um, yeah. How about you, Eugene? Um. I was in the room with him when we were doing evaluations on the Amazon HQ. Our progress. Oh. Uh, so, okay, fine. Both of you can call him Bezos, I guess. That's just not how I heard his name being said by other people that weren't as close to him as you guys. So, you know. Um, do you think that... I, I don't want to get too political with this, you know, Cheeto Jesus wants to go back to the moon. Uh, but do you think this came out of one of his many epiphanies he has at four o'clock in the morning when he's sitting on his golden toilet crapping out the steak he had last night? I think this came from the people that. Because are... optics, optically, it'll look good, but I don't know what the hell else it's going to do other than get us back to the moon. There for was some there was a time early in his administration where he said we were going to go to Mars uh, by the end of his first term. Um, so that but he also said uh, we were going to uh, build something too yes. that we haven't started yet, and, and and I think that the people that he has surrounded. So so the Trump administration um, has reinstated the National Space Council, uh, which is basically a council of uh, cabinet members and other people that are connected with actually steer the the policy of this administration um, when it comes to space exploration. And I think the people within the National Space Council ones who have come up with this new goal. Um, this is not and just right. coming out of um, out of the mind of Trump, although he does seem to really be passionate about space and space exploration, um, and, and Vice President Pence is as well. Um, the people that he has put into the Space Council, especially the person who is the ex- executive director, Scott Pace, um, they know space, and they've always wanted to return to the moon. So this is kind of an extension of the desires of the people on the national space. Gotcha. What if we you know? What if we just sent them to the moon? <laughs> sent Trump and Pence to the moon. Problem solved. Kill two birds with one stone. The other thing, by the way, speaking of uh, our president wanting to go back to the moon, is that his space force will unfortunately cost a lot more money than he thought. An independent space service under the Air Force would add up to one point three billion dollars a year in cost, which is basically just not building one of those planes they don't need. You know what? If you, don't th- if you look at it like that, maybe we could do it. The Air Force has, spends tons of money building crap that they don't need. There's that how many X billion dollar fighter jet that doesn't work, uh, that kept failing inspections and other stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the F one some yeah F thirty five. So that's the three. Now... That's, okay, so that's three billion dollars. So that's basically two and a half years of Space Force money that we could have. We could have a Space Force instead of this one plane. Think about how many other planes there are. This is a negative 
This is a negative article, but I'm trying. I'm finding the silver lining in this. If we just cut out some of the fat from the already bloated defense industry, then we actually might be able to afford a space force. How cool would that but be? But do we need a space force? Well, uh, yes, because bloat. are there planets that have oil for us to invade? Well, actually, uh, asteroids have oil. I was, was going to say Titan is full of hydrocarbons. Okay, they include good enough. oil. I hydrocarbons are good enough. Liquid. Yes. Purpose. Even oh, even better. All right, let's go there with a giant hose, space force it up. And that, that's, um, that's the argument that you run into is: is there a need for a space force? Is um, there a need, there, Brendan? Is, is there a need for half of the stuff <laughs> in government? The answer is no. no. Actually, I literally was bored and googled it, and the first article on NASA, first article is from NASA. Titan's surface um, has more reserves than the entirety of Earth. There we go. Bring out the space tanks. Let's invade Titan. Let's go. And, and Democracy. I think the, Mission accomplished. The, the biggest challenge with Space Force is that um, it will take an act the of uniforms? Congress. I know. It's going to be such a pain in the ass <laughs> to design those uniforms. Because are they going to be black or are they going to be white? It, it, like, you want the white because it's going to be clean, like the astronaut suits, but you want black because it's space, it's cool, you know? Or are they going to be some kind of blue? And they're just all going to be like jumpsuits, like in Star Trek or in Lost in Space. Well, what is actually happening is... The, I don't want to hear about what's actually creation. happening. I want you to go on with this idea <laughs> in my head. Well, well, because <laughs> this, this might change your uniform. They're the... Um, you have to wear dresses? No. We're... Um, More aerodynamics, so. We're working on the creation of what's called a space command, uh, which is a combatant command group, which will kind of... Put all of the various space operations from the Air Force, the Navy, the Army, and the Marines will be in one location called the Space Command. Um, and that's something that is actually happening right now. Um, they're just picking a place to put to headquarter Space Command. Um, so it could be either in Colorado, California, or, of course, Florida uh, wants to be in Space Denver Command. Airport. Uh, Denver Airport. Denver Airport is... Denver Airport. <laughs> but that is something that is actually on the table and happening now. And that is supposed sure to be the precursor is, for the that's, space you know, it, I mean, think about it. Then the Illuminati can just go right to space without having to go very far. But I can believe that. I mean, it made sense. The last command I was in, like, that was one thing that I could have been transferred to. And I'm like, what, the Illuminati? Oh, no. You should have taken that offer, man. <laughs> but no, um, the issue is um, obviously one of the biggest roles of Space Force as satellites become more and more common. Obviously, A, the concern is more military satellites and space war, but not like, oh no, Star Wars. More like, why does that why does that satellite have missiles on it? Or they take out our satellites and global communication. Or obviously, early warning missiles. Wasn't, I heard about... That's been a conspiracy theory for a long time. Like a Russian space war. I'm serious. And it could happen. I mean, it's there's, not... there's, you know, if you pull out one of our military communication satellites, if you're able to develop some way to destroy that, um, you know, that could really jeopardize communication and navigation for um, all branches. It's, it's a real threat. Um, and it's, and it's okay, a, how it's about a threat this? that's what being sold made... by, the, by the administration. What if we made a planet-sized giant sphere that has a, stop, a laser stop beam? Stop you right there. That's that's the Death Star, Eric. That's on the... one of the oh, <laughs> but right, yeah, but that works some really sort of well. Thermal exhaust port, and that might be a weak point. <laughs> we know we know that though. We know that now, so we can fix it. We can move it somewhere else 
that's just slightly harder for them to get to. They're not going to know where it is until they discover the plans that get leaked on the internet by uh, But we have to be careful. Edward Snowden. Young, radical, young people might be radicalized by followers of an ancient religion. Called Judaism. <laughs> Which no. could be stopped by censoring Facebook posts. So, there we go. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, anyway, uh, here's uh, I just pulled this story up from Politico. It's a year old, but it's kind of funny. War is coming to outer space, and the Pentagon wa- warns us it is not yet ready. Following years of uninterest, what? Underinvesting while the military focused on a host of threats here on Earth. Russia and China are years ahead of the United States in developing the means to destroy or disable satellites that the U.S. military depends on for everything from gathering intelligence to to guiding precision bombs to those aforementioned countries. Yeah. So now the Pentagon's trying to catch up by pouring more money into the problem, which, because the Pentagon can't be audited, is basically making more people millionaires off of our tax dollars. Great. We're now approaching a point where Star Wars ain't just a movie, said Steve Iskowitz, CEO of the Aerospace Corporation. What's with these plain-named companies? Are they all just kind of ripping off of Elon with the boring company? There is the, the company that basically finds rocket launches for your satellite. It's called Spaceflight Incorporated. How, how vanilla is that? I know. I mean, SpaceX at least has some cachet to it. I mean, um, um, this would be a good segment to parlay into one of the new technologies in space, small rockets. When I say small rockets, these rockets launch things like cube satellites and very small technologies. Cube like, uh, satellites. Yes, like one of the makers is literally called Rocket Lab, <laughs> and their rockets are small. Like Literally, the size of it is uh, like 17 meters or 56 feet. Launches something... Litter, maybe the size of a person, so at most, um, maybe five hundred, maybe five hundred pounds tops. What can they do? The big deal is their rocket is so small and it's cheap, so they can literally set up a launch in the middle of Brooklyn instead of needing a huge area. Oh, there's a, co- a new, kind a of new a company f- that's coming online called Relativity Space, uh, based out in California now, but they're launching from Cape Canaveral, and they 3D print. Pretty much all of their rocket parts, like 90 or 95 wow. percent of the rocket is 3D printed, um, so they can like make changes on the fly, and it's basically get, um, as you mentioned, get these small payloads orbit. Massive industry for, um, for small sat launch. Crazy. Like the, like the rocket company I mentioned, um, Rocket Lab. They're a Lactron launcher. They launch out of both New Zealand and they're moving. To they both um, wallop space facility, which yeah. you probably know about, and they're moving another facility to Scotland for European launches. And they've already they just tested and confirmed they've already got a scheduled load of over twenty rocket twenty loads, and they're already saying that they're going to have to double hiring because of how successful their rocket launches. Wow! And you'll get a kick out of this. They um, since they're based in New Zealand right now. One of their rockets was named It's Business Time after Flight of the Concords. <laughs> All right. Very good. Um, let's see. What else is there to talk about? Uh, we talked about going back to the moon. We talked about the Space Force. Uh, let's see. An abrupt end to an, to an a historic moon mission? Jason, is this, uh, is this from you? 
Bereshit, a lander made by an Israeli nonprofit, was just miles from the lunar surface when it malfunctioned. Yeah, they would have one of the few countries to land anything on the moon. They would have been the top the three, four, I guess four. They would have been the fourth. They would have been the yeah. fourth. United States, China, Russia. Has the EU launched anything to the moon yet? I'm sorry. Actually landed in either. No, it's. It, but anyway, they were. They would have been the fourth. Very close to landing, and. Uh, and those Israelis, they make good stuff. Well, unfortunately. Started, didn't restart. In did restart, but not in time to slow the descent. What they forgot was that it Crash. actually started entering the moon, the lunar surface, on sundown on a Friday. And right, so it so just turned off and crashed. Couldn't push it any can't buttons. be helped. Well, they should have just done. They should have just had a Sabbath program, like the Sabbath elevator. <laughs> exactly. It's all automatic. It just yeah. It just kind of it just kind of hovers in place until sun until sundown on Saturday, and then it's uh, yeah. Um, I think it, it illustrates. You know, the question you were asking before is why go back to the moon? Mars beckons, and it's because it's, it look how hard it is even to go to the moon. That's true. Well, and we all risk these people, private companies going to the moon actually really help improve the tech, the technology to get there, and then of course, obviously to Mars as well. The, the, like I follow this this um, this story quite closely. Such a fascinating story. They did it on like literally a shoestring budget. It was three guys decided to do this. Um, they were at a bar one night, had this crazy idea a few years ago to develop this lander and compete for the X Prize. Um, and they thought when you talk to experts. Um, the hardest part about exploring the moon is getting into lunar orbit. Um, landing on the moon is quite easy to get there. Um, so the fact that they were able to get this spacecraft into lunar orbit with a budget of less than a million dollars, like this incredible feat of engineering and fundraising, it should be looked at as really incredible um, thing that, that this company, SpaceIL, uh, was able to it's a very it's a very big feat despite the fact that it wasn't a success yeah it was a success in other areas oh, it was a huge success in, in and it was yeah. the prize by the way i didn't know this was 20 million dollars it was yeah it was well 15 million was the base prize um and then there were additions now had they had launched this in like january of this year or something they would have they would have gotten it but they had extended the the Google X Prize for so long that they just ended up. But I mean, uh -huh. it landed, right? I mean, not as slowly as they hoped, but, but it's on the moon. So, <laughs> well, yeah, when when Russia did it back in the '60s, they claimed the moon yeah, yeah. because uh, something the hammer and sickle had actually touched the surface of the moon. Yeah, so now there's there a beer sheet oh, crater yeah. on the moon. <clears throat> Uh, speaking about Jeff Bezos, Bezos again, he uh, wants to take water out of the moon. I didn't know the moon had water in it. Lots of water in the polar ice caps. Oh, ice. Yeah, never exposed to the sun. Does it have global warming? Um, we should, hope we need, we should move there and start uh, warming things up. There's no atmosphere. So that's the well, we can first. make an atmosphere. Just yeah. those, you know, every, all, all of those moon colonies have those bubbles. We just need to make those bubbles. The problem with the water something. on the moon is, it is we're, we're still not 100% sure it's actually there. And we're not 100% sure in what state it actually is. Um, so I've got um, one of my... That's the best. That's the best way. The thing about the water on the moon is we're not 100% sure it's actually on the moon. And we're also not 100% sure it's water. Well, so... That's the water on so, the moon. So now, like, I, I, I speak with this planetary scientist a lot um, who's an expert on the moon. And I'm not discounting you. It's just funny yeah. the way that you said it. Well, well he right. said... Like, Duran Duran is neither a Duran nor a Duran. Disgust. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> um, 
it, it's it, it now we're we're getting we're more convinced with scientists. I don't say we scientists are more convinced that that it is there, but they believe that the state that it's in um, is like it's as hard as like granite. Um, so it's like it's definitely frozen water, and it's like super frozen. Um, so to be able to pull it out is going to be the challenge. But the fact that it's there is awesome because. You, you don't just use water for to drink or whatever, but you can actually turn that into rocket fuel. That's what... Or wine. Or, or wine. Well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but turning that into rocket fuel is going to be the, the biggest thing. Because you can use uh-huh. the moon as like a lunar gas station at that point. Right. And we definitely have a lot of experience melting glaciers, so it's not like we, we are a good species for be this. too hard for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You need to get off this planet. Um, Speaking of that, I mean... Saw Jeff, but um, you know the proposal for building giant orbiting space colonies in orbit of Earth. I actually haven't. So there are colonies that are in like little spheres that orbit the Earth. Well, they'd be massive. They'd be about um, about a mile in diameter in orbit of Earth. That's not massive compared to the things that are orbiting Earth. Manhattan's only like eight sixteen miles. miles by two and a half. Yeah, so it'd be. They, you would put a, you'd be cut you a couple East feet Village in space. Yeah, if you want to look them the up, East they're O'Neill, O'Neill cylinders. Kind of a science fiction uh, thing. Yeah, they're, they're pretty uh. wild. He went full he went I mean, full nerd last week on, on this one. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, and these were ideas we proposed in the 60s, so obviously technology's gotten a lot better. We have solar panels. You know what, though? Windows. Back in the 60s, all those computers didn't need Windows Update, and I think that they were able to get by with a lot less than they do now. So that's not, that's actually only half of a joke. Like, they had, what, 4K of RAM on the yeah, Everything with all the commands were numerical, right? Yeah. Analog Every, computers. Yeah. yeah, you were just punching in numbers. So engine start was, you know, 113 execute. No, there's no button that said start engine. You were actually doing it all on a right. numerical keypad. But now you have to go, now you have to go start run <laughs> open, open space open shuttle right. type in your password then the computer's like oh we're restarting to install an update and then yeah You're using an ad touch, blocker please and, you know, it it windows, and it installs windows 10 while you're on board without it asking well like, elon musk's spaceship has touchscreen controls and i'm like that sort of horrifies me why i don't like the idea of like having to use a touch in space. What would you rather use? Well, you can, it, it's hard to make sure you're hitting the right button. It uh, can yeah, short I'd, out, leaving you with a black... Yeah, I'd rather... Plastic, you could you know, short out, that's right. Yeah. I'd rather use analog controls like switches. Yeah. That's because you're an old man, Yuchenna. <laughs> no, man, I'm with them. With the, you need, yeah, you're more an old accurate, man. We need yeah. to get with the Gen Zs that don't know what a keyboard is. Well, when, when you press SpaceX <laughs> on that, uh, basically the, the, the capsule is supposed to fly itself. So the only time that you would have to use the keypad is something really terrible was happening at that point jamming buttons anyways but um <laughs> there there are some analog controls but not many and the early version of that capsule the astronauts were pretty upset about the, the touch pads and it wouldn't touch through their gloves and so they've, they've done a lot of work on that now but the the commercial crew I'm astronauts happy. won't have to use it it makes sense I it mean, looks slick it looks cool for the pictures yes so you literally use computers to launch to uh Russian space station in the 90s, so computer launch is not new technology. And, co- and computer everything, computer guidance, the idea that as, as spaceship, starships become more complicated, the computers run the ship, and basically what you have is mission control are the astronauts. 
They're just systems engineers making sure that the computers function properly. And the computers handle all that incredibly delicate docking and you know, having exactly so the right engine cutoff point. So we're going to have another Apollo 13 movie. It's just going to be computers doing it. it. Right, and then, it's, then a guy pushing a button makes sure the computer does its job. Aww, and then they take a 23-hour break. Yeah. Well, it worked. They went a few months ago. The SpaceX's capsule autonomously launched and docked to the National Space Station. Works. Yes, now, by the way, on the heels of that, and I know that you've got three minutes left, Brandon, <laughs> why don't we talk about this story? SpaceX just made Russia's space program null and void. Yuchana, this is your story, sir. Well, a lot of it's like Russia, as you know, effectively thanks to NASA subsidizing the cost of Russia's space program because one U.S. astronaut more than paid for the cost of the Soyuz rocket. Now that SpaceX and, to a more, another extent, Boeing exist and provide cheap, low-cost rockets to the NASA space station, and... SpaceX eating the lunch of everyone from both the European space technology and Russian space technologies. The medium rocket, the medium launch rocket is effect, launch budget is effectively SpaceX's, and the small rockets are a huge competitor of Microsat. So Russia doesn't have any more um, launches besides military and Russian only exclusive launches. Yeah, or, or, wow. and, and to some extent some cargo launches, but. We've, we've run into um, a few issues with the commercial crew program, which that is what you mentioned, that SpaceX, Boeing, launching humans to the space station. Um, that was supposed to happen this year. It's unclear if that's actually going to happen with uh, because of some things that happened over the Easter weekend. SpaceX lost a test vehicle um, and still investigating what happened. Oh, no. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Um what happened? They don't know. Abort system still failed, right? That was, that was the abort system. I have not had confirmation they won't. Abort failed? Oh, that. how do you know? <laughs> it's not supposed to happen. Yeah, I saw the leak, someone leak the tape on yeah. the internet. I was like, that's not good. So basically that's what, some, what like, SpaceX Apollo was one doing was um, the NASA stipulate. So I'm going to give you the commercial crew program in a nutshell as fast as I possibly can. So um, we stopped sending astronauts on the space shuttle when retired the spatial in 2011. NASA was going to partner with commercial partners to ferry astronauts to the space station. They picked SpaceX and Boeing, um, $6 billion project to do this. Um, and they issued them a few requirements. And one of the requirements was to have an abort system um, on capsule. Uh, both Boeing and SpaceX decided to use the pushing system rather than the old school pulling system. Um, a pulling system is like on Saturn V or the Soyuz rocket with a launch tower on top. Shit gets, goes bad, fire it, pulls the capsule away. Boeing and SpaceX, for cost, decide to use a pushing system, which integrates everything within the capsule. And in a recent test, they were testing it out, and the system actually blew up the capsule rather than firing. Um, so that is where we are. Some issues, <laughs> a lot of issues recently. Well, that out was of that, that was SpaceX had the that most recent issue. Boeing has had a similar issue with its abort system uh, late last oh. year. They had a leak, and these are of hypergolic fuels, super toxic oh, and extremely explosive. Um, they are they just getting, are they just cutting corners and getting cheap parts from China? They're not for cutting corners. Think this of... is just something that's never been done before. A pushing, oh. a pushing abort system is brand new. So with a okay. pulling abort system, it's a solid rocket fuel on an engine that's attached to the top of the capsule, and midway through flight, when they're past the point of no return, it's actually jettisoned. Um, with the 
with the pushing system, which SpaceX and Boeing are using, you can actually reach that system when it lands, or you can use those motors to actually maneuver the vehicle while it's in space, so while it's huh. in orbit. So it's a way to save money and to save weight, but it's never been done before. So they're running into a lot more snags than they well, I guess that's fair. I just, you know, I, I hear about this on the heels of the 737 Max crash. Well, yeah, Boeing is Boeing has uh, a lot of issues. Right something now, happened. The, the Dreamliner issue. So a lot of stuff in the last few years that they, they've been going wrong with them. But they're and doing a lot. They're better than Airbus, so I don't know. They're doing a lot right when it comes to commercial. So um, it, it, there was a, it, it, delays are expected. Um, we were getting really excited that we were going to see humans fly this year, but it looks like we're going to get closer to first flights next year but as i mentioned earlier spacex was able to send an uncrewed vehicle um their crew dragon to the space station successfully land it back boeing is planning on doing that in uncrewed version of a lot to look forward to cool. this year. that's great and speaking of abort why don't we hit the abort button on this podcast as i figure out how to do that how do we uh do I have an, uh, do I have, uh, <laughs> the only abort button I've got. Um, that sounds like that's the so, official NASA abort sound too. They have to send another oh yeah, capsules. When the, ro when the yeah. rocket crashes, <laughs> it's just the, sorry guys. <laughs> Better luck next time. Okay. Well, that brings us, Brendan, thank you very much to the end of another pull request number 78. Yuchenna? Do you approve of this week's pull request? Of course. Let's merge these changes. Jason, how about you? Yes, onward to the moon and Mars. And how about you, Brendan? Oh, this was fantastic. I don't have anything witty to say, but thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, it's always a pleasure. We'd love to have you on any time that you, you, you care to join anytime. us. Anytime. I'm uh, happy to talk space with you anytime, Eric. You say that because we're on the air, but we know. No, no, no. You're it's really true. Busy. It's true. Well, good. We'll talk again in six months. No. Uh, hopefully, we'll have you on before then. But how about our wonderful studio audience? Yes. <laughs> Great. Well, then let's all hit merge. And we'll see you in two weeks, hopefully, right here on Power Quest. This has been the Pneumonium Production. The views and opinions expressed on Pull Request do not necessarily reflect those of Pneumonium LLC or its subsidiaries. This week's theme music provided by Volpec. Visit them at V-U-L-F-P-E-C-K dot com.